seven summit snacks. Fuel your next adventure with chocolate crafted to conquer. Made with ethically sourced chocolates and ingredients you know and understand. Find your next taste adventure at sevensummitsnacks.com. Welcome to Northern Latitudes. I'm Bill He's a visual storyteller and now the Canadian Geographic Photographer of the Year, Brandon Broderick. Brandon joins us to share the stories behind his photographs, the moments that have challenged and changed him, and how he manages to connect with his subjects and allows us to see the world through his eyes. Welcome to Northern Latitudes, Brandon. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. First of all, congratulations. This is something Thank that you. every photographer, including myself, would love to win. Quite a quite an achievement. And what was your first reaction to winning the award? I mean, I was completely shocked by it because I I didn't I didn't think I was a contender for the overall. I um, about a week before I found out I won, I found out that I was a, a a finalist, and it was two wildlife photos. So I thought I was a finalist in the wildlife category. And I mean, just being a finalist is awesome. I, I would have been happy with that. Uh, you know, an honorable mention or a runner up in the wildlife would have been cool too. winning wildlife would have been great. But then I got this email saying I won photographer of the year. And I, I, I literally almost fell like my knees got weak. It was, it was, it was crazy. I ran upstairs. I just shoved my phone in my wife's face and showed her the, uh, the email. And she was also pretty shocked by it. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty crazy day. <laughs> it's always good when good things happen to good people, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. When did the photography thing start for you? Like, would you remember, like, do you remember when it kind of kicked in that, hey, you were pretty good at this? So in college, when I went away to college, I studied fish and wildlife in Lindsay, Ontario at Fleming College. And uh, my parents sent me away with a I think it was a 3.2 megapixel Sony like point and shoot camera, like early, early digital camera days. And I would take photos. Uh, so the second year in college, I lived on uh, Sturgeon Lake, I think it was. Uh, I lived on a lake. So I had lots of sunrises, sunsets. So I would take photos and I would use them as my background on my computer screens. And some of my roommates started asking to use those as well. And I, I don't know why, but from then I thought, hey, maybe I'm there's something to it if people want to use my photos. Not that there was anything special about them, but so then uh, right after college, I think it was 2007, I got my first digital SLR, just like a Canon digital rebel. I think it was Canon's first DSLR they offered with the 18 to 55 kit lens and then a 70 to 300 Sigma, I think it was. And then I just started with that and then slowly began upgrading and yeah it's snowballed into you know where i am today so it's it's i've i've been doing it a long time but yeah yeah so that's when i started you've almost been taking landscapes right from the very beginning when did the wildlife start to enter into it i i've always loved wildlife like i i mean nature in general i just uh, i i love being outside but i think I think when I lived in Haida Gwaii in 2000, 2009, I was a photographer at a fishing lodge out there. I was also a dockhand and a 
I was the the guy who cut grass. I, you know, drove people to the airport. I, but they also had me start up a photography program. I worked at like a sister lodge to the main lodge that they had and, and they needed someone to take some photos. So I did that and tons of eagles there, tons of bears. And that's where the, uh, the wildlife stuff really, really started. I think because I mean, photographing eagles in flight was a, a huge challenge that was fun and then uh i was living in vancouver shortly after that I spent a lot of time photographing waterfowl there uh there's a couple of good spots around there to photograph you know ducks and birds and then when i moved to terrace back in uh right in the beginning of 2012 that's when the real wildlife started because there's black bears grizzly bears eagles wolves lynx there's everything there and you know my shift I, I still do lots of landscapes. I, I, I've, I've always done them and I will continue to, but now it's definitely wildlife focused. And I don't know why I've always been drawn to bigger, bigger mammals, uh, bigger birds, owls, eagles. I honestly don't understand how these guys take photos of like warblers and stuff. That's like the most difficult thing ever. I don't understand how they do it. It's crazy. I, uh, I just, so yeah, for me, I, I like just spending time with these bigger mammals and, uh, you know, trying to get something that I can share with people that might not get to see that for themselves. I had a frustrating weekend. Was that last weekend or the weekend before trying to take a picture of a nuthatch? So it was like, yeah, okay. this. Is yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's mind blowing. I, I just finally got a, uh, a 1.4 extender for my 500 lens. So I think that would help a bit because, you know, 500 millimeter lens is great. But when the bird is, when I mean, you can fit four of them in the palm of your hand, like they're really small and they're, they're they move so fast and they're in such cluttered, you know, environments. I know a lot of the people that are successful that do it, you know, sometimes will call them into like a, you know, a more photogenic perch, but as an ethical wildlife photographer, I don't call anything in. I don't bait stuff. So there are easier ways to do it, but I just, I don't know. I, it almost feels like you're cheating a bit. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about that. I was going to bring it up later, but we'll talk about it now. Talk about the ethical choices you make when you're taking your pictures. So ideally you don't want to affect the animal at all. But obviously, if you go through my stuff, you'll see there's lots of eye contact photos. So the animals are well aware that I'm there. But, you know, a lot of those are taken during their, their feeding or, you know, doing whatever. And they look up to see what the sound of the camera shutter is or just to, you know, just check on me. And then they go back to doing what they're doing. So with, wild, uh, with ethical wildlife photography, you're trying not to affect their behavior in any way. So if I'm, you know, if I get too close to something and it stops doing what it was doing when I found it, then it's time for me to leave. I say, you know, thanks for your time and I'm out of here. And yeah, no, no baits, no calls. Honestly, what I do, I just drive around and uh, look for animals. I just look for them. And in the winter, I can at least look for the tracks and that helps me kind of narrow in on some areas. But yeah, for the most part, I just look for the animals themselves, try to approach and get some some photos without affecting them at all. And then, you know, the, the most ideal situation is when I can leave and the animal's still doing its thing. It's not, you know, I'm not leaving after I've scared the animal. And, you know, if you do affect it, 
that's when it's time to leave, not push the push it even further and further. I don't like to track animals too much. I do when I need to. Uh, lynx are one of the animals that are easily to track, not easy to track. They can move hundreds of kilometers, but you can follow their tracks. But one thing I worry about is like I'm not moving through the forest silently. It's impossible to. Snowshoes are cra cracking through the snow. The camera bag, everything's breaking through the thick brush. So I might be tracking it, but not realizing that I'm actually pushing the animal further and further. So that's why I like to just look for the animal and, uh, you know, just get, get my photos and then get out of there and let it keep, keep living its life. And I mean, I'm always alone, right? So I'm my own ethics police. There's no one around. I could be, you know, I could, I could not do that and no one would know, but it's just, I, I'm a terrible liar. I can't, I can't live with that. And, and with these contests, you have to disclose that stuff. So, you know, if I did use calls or baits for an animal and lied about it and that came back, I mean, that would completely devastate my career. So yeah, I, I, I don't know, man, I, animals, they have hard lives. I don't want to make it any harder. So I'm just there to take a few photos and get out of there. Okay. You mentioned the links. And the Lynx yes. photo was one of the, the reasons you won this award. Tell me the story of getting capturing that picture. And just so people know, we're going to put links in the the other kind of links. We're going to put the other kind of links in the show notes, so you can you can look at some of Brandon's photos on his website or on the Canadian Geographic story. But tell me the story about getting the picture of the Lynx. So for that Lynx, I was way up in northern BC, kind of near the uh, the Yukon border. Uh, on the Alaska Highway, I had just kind of come over a hill on the highway and I saw the lynx. I saw his tail end, which is unmistakable. Lynx have that little nubby, nubby tail and they've, they're kind of angled downwards. Um, they're very, once you see them, they're, they're pretty easy to not mistake what they are. So I saw this lynx and this is after I think four days of looking for them and it was on my way home. I was on my way you know, that making the 10 hour drive back home and I saw it walk into the bush. So I, I pulled over, I, I saw it. It was sitting in the bush in the, in real, real thick stuff, just staring at me. Um, and after a few moments, I just, you know, I kept watching it and eventually it kept, it, it, it kept walking basically parallel to the highway in the bush. And it, uh, it walked along this, uh, like mossy snow covered berm. That was just, I don't know, we're talking maybe 20 meters into the, into the bush. So I saw that it was heading that direction. So I went up ahead of it and kind of positioned myself in a way that I could get a clear shot of that berm when it, when it got to that point. And, and sure enough, it got there and it just laid down and just, just stared at me for a few moments and I was able to get video of it. I was able to get a few photos and to get photos and videos of a lynx is so rare. They don't stick around too much. You know, they don't really run away. They just kind of go off and do their own thing. So, you know, I got really lucky. The most challenging part of that was getting a clear shot of it through the, through the thick forest. But thankfully I was able to, you know, get a few photos I think I took 2000 photos in about, I don't know, not very long time. And they're all basically the same photo. It's just, 
with wildlife, you got to take a lot to make sure the eyes in focus, make sure the eyes are open. So that's, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of photos, but thankfully I got a couple that, that turned out. And shortly after that, the lynx just kind of walked off into the bush in the direction it was heading when it crossed the road. So it just, I don't know where it is now. I was up there for eight days just recently looking for them on the seventh day. I finally found fresh tracks, uh, but I did not see a single cat. And that was about 5,000 kilometers of driving in that time. And, uh, that's, that's kind of usually how it goes. There's, there's more failures than successes, but when, when, when it does work out it, there's, there's no better feeling than that. And just for people listening, find that photo. It's an amazing photo of a lynx. It's, if you've ever been out there and you, you see one and I have, I've driven in that part of the world and I've seen them and I have a photo, but it's a photo of a lynx basically disappearing into the brush. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's nothing worth writing home about. That's for sure. Why are you so focused on the lynx? I have no idea. I oh, don't know. I've just kind of had, uh, I've had some luck with them and just spending time with them is, is great. They're really funny to watch. Like they're cats, right? They're just cats. I have four cats at home. I love cats. I love, I love, I just love animals, but yeah, seeing them just interact <laughs> with each other. They're, they're just, they're great. The fact that they are so elusive. So the challenge is, is also there to try and I don't know. There's just something more um, rewarding when you can get a photo of such an elusive animal. And I, I don't know. They've just been my focus for the last like five years. I think I've photographed it's over 20 different links in the last five years now. And, you know, some encounters are just a quick, quick shot. Others, you know, last hours. So, yeah. And they, they keep me, keep me wanting more. Mountain lions are another one I really want to get photos of. Near Terrace, I photographed a mom and her two kittens for, I don't know, about five minutes I got to spend with them. And they were super relaxed. Uh, the one kitten actually kind of refused to go with the mom. She wanted to hang back with me. So I've got a cool photo of the, the kitten in the foreground and the mom way in the distance kind of looking back. That was a really, uh, that was the first time I ever saw them. And I was really lucky that I had my camera with me. So yeah, I mean, it'd be really cool to photograph all the wildcats in the world. That would be a fun. Now, when you're making these sites of, you know, you set out to do this, what's your process for picking a location? Do you head out looking for certain animals or do you just take what you find when you get somewhere? So for the last like five years, when I'm going out, I'm pretty much looking for links, but I am open to opportunities but it really, it really depends. I mean, in the fall, when I lived in Terrace, closer to the coast, I'd be out looking for grizzly bears feeding on salmon. Uh, in the spring, lots of bears are also on the coast feeding on grasses. You know, some days I'll go out with the, the hopes of finding an owl. So when I'm scanning the sides of roads as I'm driving, my eyes aren't on the ground. They're kind of in the, you know, midway up trees looking for perches that they could be on. You know, but if I'm out looking for lynx and I see an owl, I'm, I'm never like, ah, I don't have time for you, owl. I'm looking for lynx. No, I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm open to, to everything. But yeah, I like, uh, you know, s secondary highways are kind of my favorite spots to be. They're quiet. Although I've seen, you know, I've had taken lots of photos on, you know, the Trans-Canada Highway, the Alaska Highway. Back roads, I travel lots. 
Uh, I see lots on them, but I don't get many photos because it's usually forest right to the road. So it, an animal takes two steps and they, they vanish again. It's really hard to get photos. And it's either that or the it's a photo of an animal on a road, which can be fine sometimes. I do really try to not have any human elements in my photos. Just now, this last week, I was up in the Alaska Highway and I go up there at this time of year because it's quiet. In the summer, real busy, tons of tourists and it's if you've ever been to like Banff or Jasper and there's a vehicle pulled over on the side of the road, it draws a crowd. I don't like to be that guy. It's happened to me before where I pull over, I'm taking photos of some moose. And next thing I know, there's like eight cars pulled over. There's kids running back and forth across the highway and I have to leave. I'm like, I don't want any part of this. Like, this is super dangerous. People just lose common sense. It seems especially tourists. I love tourists. They, uh, they, they help me out a lot. They, they buy my stuff, but I just see some crazy stuff. I see people reversing in RVs around blind corners and stuff. It's just, it's crazy. These roads, the roads that I use, the roads that people use, we're using them for photography, but that's not what they're there for. They're <laughs> there for traveling. So, you know, if I'm out and I see a vehicle behind me, as soon as I see that there's a vehicle behind me, even if it's a kilometer or two back, I'll find a good spot to pull over, let it pass, and then I can carry on. I don't even want to have to worry about anyone behind me. So I can focus on doing what I'm doing. I don't want to get in someone's way. Yeah, the, the roads aren't made for wildlife photography. So <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, though, because you mentioned the national parks. And I spent, like I told you before we started recording, I spent quite a bit of time in the national parks, both Banff and Jasper in that area. And it is, it's insane what some people do. It's like, yeah, well, what are you thinking, man? Uh, yeah, I've seen people get out. I, I, there was a spirit bear in Terrace one day where, you know, people basically surrounded this thing. And, you know, this is one of the most rarest bears in the world. And I had to leave because I couldn't be, I just couldn't be a part of that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So early mornings are, are also my favorite time because a yeah. lot of people aren't out. Uh, especially in the summer up in the north sunrise is at like 4 30 a.m so it, right it right after it sets <laughs> yeah right so it's, it sucks having to get up that early but you know it's great i mean there's times where i don't see a vehicle or anyone for yeah. like three hours what kind of equipment are you using for this like what do you what's your standard lens the 500 so i i use a canon 500 f4 just fixed prime uh prime lens and my body is a Canon 1DX Mark II. I do, so my lens is pretty old. It's 14 years old now. From what I've heard, Canon doesn't even service them anymore. So if I have a problem with it, it's kind of just, it's just going to be a paperweight. So either this year or next year, I'm going to upgrade to the 400 2.8. That's my plan. Although uh, Olympus, the OM system, they, they're making some new stuff. They reached out to me. They're going to send me a few, uh, a few cameras to try out. So, I mean, if I'm about to spend $15,000 on one lens, then I mean, <laughs> at this point, it's, it's worth checking out to maybe uh, see what other companies are out there. Like it, it might be even more affordable to completely switch systems. So, you know, I'll try that, but I do like my Canon stuff. Everything's super, it comes super natural. Like I, you know, I don't even have to look at what I'm doing anymore. It's just, yeah. And then I've got 
lenses from like 14 millimeters i got a 16 to 35 24 to 70 70 to 200 just yeah all 2.8 all l series lenses so that's pretty much what i have and i uh i have a mavic 3 pro drone that i use for uh for my for, for landscapes and that that drone has three lenses on it it's basically like a flying 70 to 200 with a wide angle also so i was using it for some bison photos you know up north i'm like 100 meters above these bison they don't hear it even when i did take it off near them they don't they didn't care about it which was nice and then i can zoom right down on them i one of the my favorite photos on my recent trip was a shot of these four bison feeding uh in the snow and it's from above so it kind of makes you think a bit like what the what am i even looking at here yes and so I'm, I'm hoping to use it more for wildlife and the fact that there's a bit of a zoom i you know have to worry less about disturbing the the animals so that's pretty much what i bring with me everywhere i go is all of that stuff yes i had a look at the bison picture and you're exactly right that's what i was doing i was going I'm not sure what that is. And then it's kind of like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that, well, obviously it's a, dro- a drone photo. So you've, you've, uh, you've brought, you've brought a drone into your, your toolbox. Are you using it a lot? Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. I've got, I've, I've, I use it all the time. I had a, uh, an, another one previous to that. Uh, but I did upgrade cause I wanted the, the zoom options, the, just to be able to use it for some wildlife stuff back in 2022 in uh, the Canadian geographic photographer of the year contest, I was runner up in the landscape category with a drone shot taken near King Colith on the, you know, kind of Northwest of Terrace there. And it was another one of those straight down shots where you're kind of wondering what, what you're looking at. And that really motivated me to use the drone a bit more. I take a lot more drone photos than I post because a lot of them are the same, you know, a river snaking through snowy trees or whatever. It's, I I feel like those photos have been done forever. I still take them all the time. I just don't really share them all that much. Just so you know, links just always don't stop and lay down so you can take a good picture of them, eh? So you're going to have a few few repeats. (laughs) Well, one, yeah. One of the, speaking of links and drones, my first flight with my first drone, I was recording video and I just kind of flew it up this little valley a little bit. And I was, you know, watching the drone to see where it was and flew it back. You know, I didn't really, I didn't want to do too, get too crazy with my first flight. And I go home and I look at the footage and I see something moving and there was a lynx. This <laughs> lynx was like, what the hell is that? And jumped out of the way and hid behind a tree. And I had no idea it was there until I saw the footage after. So I definitely spooked a lynx that one day. It was not on purpose. I feel I still feel bad about it. I don't know <laughs> if I'd ever be able to use the drone for lynx. But I, I like the more intimate uh, encounters anyways, you know, where I'm, you know, I've they fall asleep next to me sometimes. Like that's what I, I like the drone. It's, it's a cool tool, but it's still not, uh, it's not, it's not that intimate encounter that I really, really enjoy. What kind of a feeling do you get when that happens? I mean, that's the ultimate feeling of, you know, acceptance into their circle of trust, right? Like the, for an animal to, to sleep next to you they're at their most vulnerable state and so they they totally trust that you're there and it, it lets me know that 
I'm doing what I'm doing correctly and I'm not, not really affecting its behavior at all. Yeah. That, that links that I was talking about in that, that article, I spent about two hours with that thing. Just, I was walking down a road and it was walking down the power line right of way. And it, uh, it hunted two voles. It caught two voles while I was there. It missed a couple more. Uh, and then eventually it just, uh, I actually moved ahead of it to try and get a shot of it walking towards me. And that's when it walked towards me and curled up and laid down. So it was, uh, yeah yeah that's those encounters i'll never forget you were talking about olympus a little bit and i'm 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 assuming i'm just guessing but i'm assuming a lot of the attention has come since you've won this award from some companies and some other people as well you think it's going to change anything for you except the fact you might get a new lens and a couple cameras out of the deal (laughs) well i i mean i i i wish canon would would offer me some some stuff but um, and nothing really has changed at all. There's been lots of couple interviews here and there. It's great. Any, any chance to get my, my stuff seen by more people. I, I really appreciate that. No, I'm not at the point yet where companies are just giving me stuff. That would be great. Cause this stuff is very expensive. It is. Very um, expensive. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have friends that they're offered products by companies that I use and they, they don't use the products they're just giving free stuff and I'm buying this stuff. I'm using it. No one, no one, no one gives me anything. So I, uh, yeah, no, nothing's changed and I don't see it changing. Um, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and hoping for the best. Nobody cares, Brandon. Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What, what advice would you give to somebody that's thinking about, hey, this is pretty cool? Because there's going to be people looking at that photo you took of that Lynx, and they're going to go, wow, that's awesome. I want to do that. What are you going to tell them? Uh, well, to all the people who keep reaching out to me asking where they can find Lynx, they can stop doing that because that's, uh, <laughs> that's not how you do it. Please <laughs> stop messaging me saying, hey, I'm going to be in Canada where can I find links? I'm like, I don't know. I can't find them. They're not just around. So uh, my advice is to get out of your house and go look for animals that you want to photograph. You can't find anything sitting in your house unless you have acreage out your window with, you know, I, I don't know, but, and, and know your equipment. Some of these encounters are so, so short that you don't have time to sit there and dilly dally with settings and stuff like know your stuff and know how to make changes on the fly without having to look at anything because you know, things happen so quickly and you don't want to, you don't want to miss that opportunity. And I mean, even me, I still, I, I still miss tons of opportunity. Like I was saying earlier, there's still more failures than there's successes. And uh, you know, just, just know your stuff and, and research what you want to find. Like there's for links, like there's links all across the country. I I don't have a specific spot. They move a lot. They don't have specific spots. I don't have a highway marker. I can just tell someone to go, you know, yeah, there's a family by that. Like it's not, it doesn't work like that. So you just have to know the animals, do a bit of research. There's, we live in an age where pretty much every bit of human knowledge is accessible to us in usually in the palm of our hands um you can search uh on google 
and you can add a .pdf to your search and you can get scientific papers on pretty much any species. You can learn about their behavior. You know, if you're if it's the winter, you want to look for where something exists in the winter. You don't want to be, you know, checking out the summer range of something and you're not, you know, so you just you just want to learn as much as you can about the species. It really helps behavior-wise, especially when you when you do have a few moments with an animal and you can start to kind of think about shots that you want, you know, when the animal does become comfortable with you and you can start to think, you know, knowing about that animal allows you to kind of predict what it might do. And that really helps you set up for some, for some shots. If you don't get that shot, at least you've learned something for next time. So know your equipment and know your animal. Yeah, pretty much. And get out there, put the miles in. How many miles do you think you do in a year or kilometers since we're in Canada? Uh, about four, 40 to 50,000. Wow. If you do that many, wow, that's awesome. That's incredible. That's a lot of driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go through a lot of vehicles. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing more of your pictures. It's always inspiring to see other people's work. You know, want to take that picture, but that Lynx picture is just amazing. That was great, Brandon. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you for having me.